Hello everyone and welcome to the Talk Music Podcast, where we chat everything and anything related to the world of music and occasionally focus on topics a little bit unrelated. My name is Scott Kelly. I am a drummer turned comedy singer-songwriter and apparently now a podcaster. You're going to hear me chat to many different people, but more often than not, it will be fellow musicians having conversations about their careers and lives within, arguably, the greatest art form in the world. And you get this for free each and every week on scottkiwi.com, on Stitcher Radio, and now on iTunes. So please rate, review, subscribe, tell a friend, let them know what's going on over here. But for now, enjoy the show. Guest this week on the podcast, one of my favourite drummers of all time, the amazing Steve Gadd, the man that's been behind the kit for Eric Clapton, Paul McCartney, Ringo Starr, Steely Dan, to name but a few. Couldn't believe it, I called Steve Gadd up and I said, Steve, you're in Glasgow tomorrow, do you want to meet up with me and we'll have a chat? And he said, come down to the Hydro and we'll talk in detail about my career. Absolutely amazing, and of course I posted it on Facebook, I posted it on Twitter, and my old pal, Sharon Martin, very good singer-songwriter, she got back to me and said, I'm going to the gig tonight. I'm going to watch James Taylor as well, and I've got Sharon with me just now. We've already recorded the interview with Steve Gadd, but Sharon's here to talk to me about the gig. Sharon, how are we? I'm fine, thanks. Yourself? You know me, you can't complain, never do. But how was James Taylor? How good was he? It was excellent. really enjoyed it. It was one of the best gigs that I've seen in a long time. Mm-hmm. Had you been at the Hydro prior to that? No, that was my first time. Mine as well. It was really impressive venue, and for a gig like that, it's a bit weird because I always feel like, uh, you know, it's a kind of intimate acoustic thing, isn't it? Mm-hmm. But it, it was really, really well suited, and to be totally honest, I was surprised that he was still selling, you know, that amount of tickets for a you know a gig that big. Well, he's a bit of a legend, so I don't think I was that surprised. But I wanted to go because I didn't think he would be back in Scotland again, so I wanted to take advantage of it. Because he looks a lot younger than what he is, because he's about, um, well, I don't say, I don't want to say what age that I feel that he looks, but he's been around forever. He's mm-hmm. a total legend, I agree. Mm-hmm. But it's reassuring to know that that many people still have so much respect for somebody oh, that's course. that good. Of course, but I mean, it was an older audience, wasn't it? It was kind of saga holidays a wee bit. A little bit, <laughs> I, you and I were probably perhaps the youngest there. Sorry uh-huh. for anybody that's there that's hugely <laughs> offended. Because I know that Graham Duffin was there from Wet mm-hmm. Wet Wet and I was talking to him the other day. Sorry, Graham, But he told me I loved it and we all did. Yeah. But how good was Steve Gadd? Fantastic. Some drummer. Because there was a track that you were telling me about that it's one of your mm-hmm. favourite tracks uh, he's drumming on. 50 Ways to Leave Your Lover, yeah. Because everybody was talking about that online as well. Mm-hmm. It's it's really, really good. And I do feel that um, he adds so much to that. I think it's a perfect fit, James Taylor and Steve Gadd. Yeah. But um, I asked you to come along. And talk about this with me and help me out doing this intro. And you've got a, you've got a list of the people that were involved in the band because you know it was amazing the fact that he was so James Taylor for MD that was at the gig will remember this for MD that wasn't. He was giving a lot of love to the people that was in his band. Mm-hmm. He was advertising a lot of the a lot of the people within the band. They've got albums coming out. They've got mm-hmm. EPs coming out. You've got some of their names there, right? Um, Andrea Zon. That was the the fiddle player. Amazing. Because he was saying that she's got an album coming out as well. She's a fantastic vocalist. She's played with uh, Lyle Lovett. Right. Um, and same with uh, Arnold McCuller. He was the other backing vocalist. He's right. played with Lyle Lovett as well. Phil Collins, Bonnie Ray. So. That's really cool. Mm, yeah. And uh, the, the other singer was Kate Markovitz. 
Mm-hmm. Again, she's a singer on her own, right? Out in LA, so... I mean, it was a top-notch band, wasn't it? I, was, it was I mean, really the ba- I was so impressed at the backing vocals, I thought they were absolutely flawless. Mm-hmm. And obviously, at one point, he, he let the guy Arnold, you know, do lead vocals in a couple of tracks as well, which, um, you know, added another dimension to things. It was great. really enjoyed it. See, when they had the 20-minute break during the set, mm-hmm. I don't know if you've seen it, but mm-hmm. um, it was a, such a nice touch because James Taylor said, right, we're going to have a 20-minute break at the moment. And I stayed in. He went away for two minutes, he came back and there was loads of people in the front that were all had their tickets out and had the programmes, whatever else. Mm-hmm. And he signed every single one of them. I know. To the point where the band are coming back on stage, the band are starting the next song, the groove's kicking in. They must have did grooved on that groove, for lack of a better term, for about four and a half minutes. While he signed, because I remember saying to my dad who was with me, hello dad, he always listens to this podcast. <laughs> Um, he's going to sign every one of them, and he did. And it was—I've mm-hmm. never seen that before. Mm-hmm. And then, um, of course, when he does it, and then there's guys even taking selfies, as the kids call them these days, with mm-hmm. of course James Taylor. And um, then, you know, he goes and gets his acoustic guitar, and then he joins in with the band. And I th- I've never seen that before, and I thought I it was so so cool. Me neither. Yeah, well, it's definitely. So, what have you got coming up at the moment? Obviously, you're you're telling me you're writing at the moment. Yeah, as well. just I'm writing a kind of collection of commercial tracks at the moment to. Can I hopefully someone else will sing them for me? Save me the trouble. Someone with a, a big marketing budget. And you can just take all the money? Yeah, why not? That's, that <laughs> sounds good to me. That sounds ideal. Of course, we know each other through various different people, um, mm-hmm. including Greg Barnes, mm-hmm. who is a great player. Do you plan on working with Greg at some point too? Hopefully. I mean, Greg's in LA at the moment, so um, if you know Greg comes back to Scotland, then absolutely want to work with him again. We actually haven't had Greg on this podcast yet, have we? Oh, come on. I can't believe that we've not had Greg on. We've spoken <laughs> about it at different times because I want to get him on to play some Hammond. Mm-hmm. How cool would that be, you know? Yeah. Um, because he's 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 one of the greatest. He's a master. He's he's so, so good. It's unbelievable. So um, we're going to get Greg on the podcast. So Greg, if you're listening, get in touch. We'll make it happen. We'll probably we'll get the three of us sitting down. To, we'll get me and you can interview Greg. I'm sitting mm-hmm. with his Hammond. We're thinking out loud here, and you're probably thinking to yourself, when are we going to hear this interview with Steve Gadd? So it's coming up <laughs> right now. Okay, I am back on the Talk Music Podcast with Steve Gadd, and we're just sitting outside the Hydro. How are you, Steve? I'm okay. Is the sound all right for you here? The sound's all right. There's it's little lorries not, going by. It's not too by. noisy? No, it's okay. There's there's lorries going by, but we'll persevere nonetheless. And it's quite cool. It's quite rock and roll being outside of the, the right. hydro. What do you think of the the new venue? Is this the first time that you've played here? It's yeah. It's the first time I've played in this venue. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like it. Um, I you know the, uh, I can't wait to see what it feels like when they got some people in there. It's going to be really really cool, and it's actually the first time that I've been in the venue as well. But I've heard many many good things. About, uh, about how the how'd the sound check sound? It sounded great. Um, it sounds. Um, you're driving the band. It's got a really really good feel. The simplicity of your playing, I've always liked. Do you think that speaks volumes in a drummer to be really really subtle when you play? Um, you know, pro- yeah. I, I well, I think in in this particular uh, gig, it, it works real well. Um, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot of beautiful singing going on, and uh, it's a great band. And it's, uh, you know, there's it's there's a lot of dynamics, so there's a lot of soft playing, and it's nice to leave 
to be able to leave some room. And um, so in, in this particular case, I think it works good. It sounds great. And um, how long has this, this lineup been together? Has this been been for a while you guys have been playing together? Yeah, this band, we've been pl doing this show for this gig probably on and off for, you know, 20 years. And some of the singers been with James even longer. You know, Arnold McCullough and, uh, and Katie Markowitz. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, been with James almost from the beginning, you know, and um, Jimmy Johnson's played. He's the the bass player and the and the band leader, and he he he's done it for a long time too. Um, I, I first met James in or worked with James in the '80s, doing you know some some recording, um, and then. Um, finally you know was able to do some live stuff a little bit later than that so i enjoy this this gig a lot it sounds really good the band's got a great great feel to it and that's something that everybody speaks about with your playing you've got great feel um, and you've influenced so many drummers but who's influenced yourself you know when you started playing um, and up until today who influences you as far as drummers go i mean everybody everybody influences me um you know, there. I mean, I was. I had heroes growing up that I that I emulated. You know, like uh, Gene Krupa and Buddy Rich and Elvin Jones and Philly Joe Jones, uh, Art Blakey and um, Jack DeJanette, Tony Williams, uh, and um, but. You know, everybody that, that anybody that can play today uh, gives me something that that uh, that I like, and and you know, when you hear something you like, you try to remember it so you can you know so you could play it another time. You know, that's the way it works. I've actually always wanted to ask you what you thought of Ginger Baker's drumming. What do you think of Ginger? I thought Ginger, you know, would would did well, you know, with Cream. I mean, that's really the only time I, I I've heard him play. Uh, I, I'm sure he can play other things, but that band they sounded great. That band together, right? It was yeah. a magical combination. And of course, I, I'm assuming you were obviously a fan of Cream prior to uh, drumming with Eric. <coughs> I a fan of yeah. I'm a fan of. Um, yeah, I'm a fan of Cream, and and uh, you know I was heard those, that band when I was on records of that band when I was in the army. Those guys were already out there, you know. They were already big stars. You know what I mean? You're listening to the Talk Music Podcast interview with Mr. Steve Gard, but right now Sean Martin is going to tell us some of the previous episodes available here at ScottKiwi.com. Okay, there's tons of great episodes for you to check out at scottcowie.com. Glenn Matlock from the Sex Pistols, Huey Morgan from the Fun Loving Criminals, Sandy Tom, Brian Ray from Paul McCartney's band, Orianthe, Bob Jacobs, who's the head spokesman from NASA, Dr. Phil Toey, who's a Metallica's therapist. 
the Grahams from Wait, 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 Andy McKee, Steve Craddock of Ocean Colour Scene, Cliff Goldmacher, Steve White, who um, has been the drummer for Paul Weller, Oasis and the Who, Martin Taylor, MBE, Stuart Copeland, Dweezil Zappa, Martin Harley, Julian Lennon, Carol Kay, Tommy Emanuel, Kaki King, Joan Gom, Nick West, Thomas Lang, Rhonda Smith, Glenn Sobel, Ailey McKellar, Jennifer Batten, Larry Graham, Newton Faulkner and Jack Bruce, Anton Dufour, Vivi Rama, Warren Hurt, <laughs> Jeff Friedel, Janine Lear and Raquel Plass. Okay, so go and check them out at scottcowie.com and it's also available on iTunes to download and subscribe. That leads us on really nicely to your, your time in the army. Obviously you were playing um, a good bit of traditional grip and drumming within that period of time. Can you tell us about um, drumming within that, that time within the army? Oh, well, I, uh, you know, I, I um, went to music school for music college for five years. Three years Manhattan School of Music and two years at the Eastman School of Music. No, two years at Manhattan and three years at Eastman. And um, was playing, you know, all of the, you know, playing orchestra stuff and all of the percussion. And, um, and then when I uh, graduated from, from college, my, during my last year I had auditioned for some bands, some military bands in Washington because in, in those years the draft was on. So if you, if you didn't have a deferment, you would get drafted and end up going to Vietnam. And I didn't want to do that. So during my last year of college, I uh, auditioned for some different bands and got accepted in the Army Field Band in Washington. And I was in that band for three years. And it turned out, it started out as a concert band, but after a year, they started a, a jazz band, like a, a big band, like a Buddy Rich band. And, and I was in that for the last two years, and it was, it was good. I mean, I didn't like, you know, it didn't feel good at the time because I didn't really want to be in the Army, but when you look back on it, it was good duty, they were good musicians, and uh, it was a good way to, to fulfill your my military obligation. We got, the chance, uh, got a chance to speak about him very briefly before we started the interview, but one of the bass players that I've, I've grown up watching you play with is Nathan East. What's the, what's the experience been like playing with Nathan over the years? Oh, Nathan's great to play with. I mean, I've known him since, uh, since he first started doing sessions in, in L.A. And uh, he's a great musician. I've worked with him. Uh, in a bunch of different situations, uh, a lot with Eric Clapton, um, but uh, we've done a lot of other recordings together too. So he's uh, he's fantastic, man. Great musician, great man, and uh, he lightens up a room, doesn't he, with his smile? When yeah, he he's got a room. great smile. And in fact, we just saw him over here a couple of nights ago. He was over. He was over in this area you know doing some work on uh, with the people that develop his pedals and things and uh, so I met his crew and and it was great to see him it was good to see him 
so many people that you've played with over the years, you have drummed with the two existing Beatles, you know, Ringo Starr and obviously Paul McCartney. And interestingly enough, you, you got a chance to work with Paul, unfortunately, shortly after John Lennon's passing. What was that whole experience like, Steve? Well, it was it was uh, it was surreal. You know what I mean? It was just I think everybody was in a state of shock. You know, and we 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 were uh, recording in Montserrat, and George Martin was there. Ringo was there. Stanley Clark was there, and they also had a lot of security because of what had happened. That um, I remember Paul not wanting to be able to see the security. He just didn't feel like he, he I don't he wanted to live that way. But they kept him on the you know on the perimeter and and because uh, it was a pretty uh, you know scary time and. Um, but you know, we, we 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 had we made good music in the studio, um, and it was a good hang. Yeah, it was uh, it was great to work with uh, with uh, George Martin and Jeff Emmerich, and Ringo was there, and I had I had met Ringo before and worked with him, so it was it was a good hang. It was nice. Like we said earlier, so many people that you've worked with. Do you, are you ever nervous in any of these situations when you walk in, you're meeting Ringo for the first time or McCartney or Clapton for the first time? Are you nervous? Are you excited? There's a bit of both. What goes through your mind? I'm, uh... Yeah, I'm... It's probably a little bit of all of that. You know what I mean? It's like you're... It, it's... It's, uh... It's a great feeling to be able to meet these people that you've sort of looked up to. Um, and, uh, you know, there, I, I, I just feel hopeful that we'll be able to, that I'll be able to give, you know, what, what they want and what's needed for the music. You know what I mean? That's all. It's like, it's not being afraid or, uh, it's just like, you just want to be able to um, understand what's needed and uh, and give 150%. Is there anyone left that you'd still like to work with? Anybody that you've seen, you think, be great to be, get behind the kit and work with them in a studio or in a live setting? Is there anybody that springs to mind? Um, well, I love uh, Keith Jarrett. Um, I, you know, I, I, I don't think about um, working with him. You know what I mean? I, I just love. I just, he's a hero, and I think Prince is great. Um, uh, these are people that. That I I don't know personally, but mm. that uh, I think they're fantastic musicians, and um, and there, you know there's a lot of new people that I don't know about that you know I great great musicians uh, that would be uh, great great to play with, 
um, that I don't know that I don't know personally. But I think it would be fun to make music with them. Diane Crowell, oh, she's great. Um, but you know, for the most part, uh, you know, I don't sit about sit around wishing, thinking about things that I uh, that I wish I had done or that I want to do. I, I try to stay focused on what what it is that I'm doing and, and make that the. Uh, the most important thing so whatever I'm doing right now is the thing that I want to be doing and, and uh, that helps the music stay where it's supposed to be it's funny you mentioned Prince because when we interviewed Nathan East and we asked him the same question who would you like to work with still he mentioned Prince so maybe if Prince is listening he could get Steve Gadd and Nathan the rhythm section on board that maybe, would, I would quite I, like I, to see I, that yeah, I, maybe <laughs> that would be great I just I like I like his I like the bands he puts together. I like his writing, and uh, and I feel the same way about Keith too. Um, so that would be great. No, he's had some great bands over the years. Rhonda Smith is one of my favourite bass players as well. Um, I don't know if you've ever got the chance to work with Rhonda, have you? No. No, that again that would be that would be pretty but special. But she was playing. I think she was playing with Jeff Beck. Yeah. And and. Uh, Michael Walden so I met her but I, I really never had a chance to play with her I'd love to see you two together on the stage that would be really cool Steve that would be really 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 good indeed now over the years so many people I want to hear um, about your time with, with Steely Dan you got to work with Steely Dan what was that like I got to, yeah record with them it was you know it was good I mean I played some good music with them I, I, I love their uh, their writing um, I'm very happy to have been a part of, you know, to be playing on some of their catalog stuff, you know, and uh, yeah, I'm a fan of that band too. Oh, that must be really cool to get to work with people, like you said earlier, people that you've looked up to for years, Clapton or Steely Dan, and getting to work with them, that must be quite a thrill. The term in the pocket. Everybody talks about this term for, for, from a drumming standpoint, playing in the pocket. It's something I always find difficult to describe. You're the best at it. Can you describe what it means in the pocket? Uh, I think in the pocket means like that you're in agreement with everybody's on the same page in the rhythm section in terms of how you're playing the time. You know, and it can be there can be different kinds of pockets. You could be laying back. You could be a little, you know, on top. It just depends on. But it's when it's when it's in the pocket. It's like everybody's in in an agreement where, where where it is, and um, so to me, that's how how I would explain it. What is your warm up routine? You like? Do you have one these days? Or is there something that you do or? No, I, I really, I mean, we do a sound check. That's that's a that's a little bit of a warm up. Um, this this particular uh, show is does it's not a it doesn't require a lot of uh, chops. It you know, requires a lot of finesse and um, and listening and paying close attention. 
But if, if I was going to warm up, I, I got some Vicfort sticks that got little rubber ends on them. And sometimes I'll, um, I'll you know, play some rudiments on, on a table just to, just to get the blood flowing. Really, really cool. I'm going to tell you about two quick things that I've stolen from you over the years. One of them that I've been able to do successfully is the Ratamacue that ends on the bass drum and I'd just like to apologise to any of our listeners that are not drummers that have, have stopped listening now because I'm talking in depth about drums but the Ratamacue that you do that ends on the kick brilliant. That's good, right? I use it all the time And it's easy uh, Yeah, that's easy but the one thing that I've stolen from you that I can't do and I mentioned this to you brief, briefly earlier playing, um, having two sticks in one hand and doing that when you play it, it sounds brilliant. When I play it, it sounds terrible. So at some stage, it's somewhere down the line, I'm going to show you. I'm going to get you to show me that in detail. What else have I nicked from you? There's been lots of things. The subtlety in the right hand on the ride symbol, I love that. There's so many things that you do that I've stolen from you. So thank you for um, being a great drummer and being a part of so many great records and live DVDs that I've watched over the years. And thanks for this interview. Oh, you're welcome. And thank you for uh, for doing the interview. I appreciate <laughs> it. Thanks. There you have it. The master of the drum kit, Steve Gadd. The second best drummer in the world next to me. <laughs> thanks for laughing. I say so myself. <laughs> thanks, thanks for laughing at that, Sharon. I think you laughed along with everyone else that's listening to that. Such an honour to speak to Steve Gadd. And, of course, at the very end, I started telling him, as you heard there, how many uh, rudiments and drum fills I've stolen from him over mm -hmm. the years. But he seemed quite happy with it. But interesting stuff overall, eh? Oh, I know. The thing about uh, drumming with Paul McCartney after Lennon had died, that was quite interesting. I know. The fact that, you know, the security been around, because, of course, you don't think about all these things. So it's yeah. interesting to think that he played with them at a period of time, because I'm sure it would be nerve-wracking enough playing with McCartney in general, but the period of time after Lennon's death, that adds a whole other mm -hmm. dimension to it that's, you know, even more nerve-wracking for an individual going in trying to yeah. make an impression. But um, a really, really good guy, and I can't thank Steve enough for inviting me down and, and getting to um, to meet him and, of course, interview him on mm -hmm. the podcast. Steve Gadd, this week, last week, an amazing interview with Ted McKenna. Please check that out if you have the time. And next week, I can announce right now, we have Bob Jacobs, who's the head spokesman of NASA. Sharon, what do you think of that? Fantastic. It's not really music, though, is it? NASA. It's not music, but it also says at the start of the podcast that um, sometimes we'll talk about things completely different. And of course, it's kind of, in a childish way, it's my podcast and I can kind of do what I like. <laughs> That's my justification for it. But um, it's interesting because Bob Jacobs came on. This is Bob's part two. So if you've, you're interested in listening to, of course, um, the interview next week, be sure to check out Bob Jacobs Part 1, which is I think is about episode 4 or 5, I can't remember. It's all on scottkiwi.com. Now, Bob came on. I called up NASA one day because to be completely honest, and this is a story that I haven't told in the podcast mm -hmm. before, the idea of me contacting NASA, I was hoping to get an email from them saying... Yeah, thanks. We'll get in touch with you about a potential interview. So I could read it out in the podcast and say something like, Hey, everybody, NASA are going to come on and speak to us. Look at this email that I've got. It says, Yeah, we'll get back to you. So they're definitely going to come on. <laughs> I thought that'd be a nice, funny little skit. But it kind of backfired because I phoned them and I said, um, Yeah, can you can mm -hmm. you come on the podcast? We want to speak to the head spokesman. Yeah, I run a music <laughs> podcast. And lo and behold, my phone rang in this flat that we're in right now. So we're in my flat. And the phone rang about five minutes later. And mm -hmm. we said, are you cool to do Friday at five o'clock? I went, what the heck? Eh, 
Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> so then I inter- ended up interviewing Bob Jacobs, the head spokesman from NASA, and he kindly agreed to come on for part two. So I'm going to ask him about Area 51. I'm going to ask him about all those different things because they haven't asked me to submit my questions beforehand. And of course, it's my podcast. The only person that can fire me is me. So who's going to stop me? <laughs> exactly. Go for it. So ladies and gentlemen, check out... What's your website, Sharon? It's uh, SharonMartinMusic.com. And you're on the Twitter and you're on the Facebook yes, and all I'm that. Yes, all over it. Instagram, all those things. Have you got Snapchat? No, that's one thing I haven't got yet. I don't have Snapchat because mm-hmm. it sounds awful. Right. It, you, you know about Snapchat? Is that sending pictures of yourself or something? Or? You have to send pictures to someone and then it deletes after about 10 seconds. I don't. Or is it like a video? Is that, is that Apparently Snapchat? it's like a, a, it can be a video, it can be a photo, it can be text. Right. But it disappears after a few seconds. Right, okay. I, I don't understand the appeal to this, but you know what's going to happen, We're don't you, everyone? Old, Scott, that's what Exactly, I. But the thing is, I'll have a Snapchat probably in a couple of months because I said this about <laughs> Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, the lot, and now I'm on all those things. And I am also on scottcowie.com for all your podcast and vodcast needs. Check them out. The vodcast series is going well too. You're listening to the podcast right now. That's audio only. I've also got the vodcast. You can check out interviews with Nathan East. I've got Dave Lombardo coming up too. I've got Definity Rocks. That's Beyonce's musical director. And I've got Carol Kay, the legend, the most legendary figure in the bass perhaps ever. It's all on scottcowie.com. And anyway, thanks to Sean Martin. Thanks to Steve Gadd. Thanks to James Taylor for an amazing gig. And we will see you guys next week. <laughs>